1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Here's a piece I hope you'll enjoy from my colleague, Sebastian Gorka. And now we have a special guest to analyze the latest musings of the face of the Democrat Party, as it has been told to us. And that is Lanhee Chen of the very important Hoover Institution, who is also on the faculty of public policy at Stanford. Welcome to America First, Professor Chen. Sebastian great to be with you and congratulations on a great launch for the show thank you kindly thank you kindly um, we have received all kinds of contradictory reports with regards to the green New Deal some people say it's just an old Bernie idea that has been reheated others have said this is full-blown socialism coming under the it's you know it's the watermelon it's the red on the inside green on the outside attempt to take control of everything and then we have the complications over the weekend that not even Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez knows which is the real version. Is it the one that they posted and deleted or are there phantom versions flowing about? Could you help our listeners here on the newest national radio show in America understand what is the Green New Deal, Professor Chen? Well, I I
2: take the I, I take it at, at its word. I take the face of the document that was posted, uh, I guess, late last week that was actually a resolution that was proposed in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate that that talks about a variety of different policies. Now they may want to walk it back, but clearly it is an effort not just to address climate change, and that's sort of the cover for all of this. And Sebastian, I think the description of it as a watermelon is very apropos because at deep within the bowels of the Green New Deal is a unmistakable move toward socialism. It is an unmistakable move toward greater government influence, not just over carbon emissions. And yes, it's true, they want to get rid of all uh, gas-burning vehicles. It's also true that they're interested in instituting health care for everyone via a government-run system. It's also true that they're interested in minimum wage guarantees. It's also true that they're interested uh, in universal uh, paid leave that's paid for by taxpayers. So it's not just climate policy they're worried about. They're worried about a whole spectrum of things. And if you look at the text of the Green New Deal, you will see just how expansive and broad it really is.
1: Do we have to take it seriously? As a person who teaches public policy, is this just a crackpot idea that will flame out when Americans understand the the strictures upon their freedom that it entails, um, or, or is this really an attempt to introduce socialism by stealth? How If you're a conservative, if you believe in free markets, rugged individualism, the principles upon which the foundation was founded, uh, Professor, do we take this seriously or not?
2: I take it seriously because there are people out there who take it seriously. There are uh, people in the Democratic Party. And by the way, Sebastian, these are not uh, you know, just a few fringe members of the Democratic Party. I am talking about essentially all of the declared candidates for president of the United States in the Democratic yes. Party have said they support this. So this is not a crackpot scheme. This is actually something that, that supposedly serious people have endorsed. And so we do have to take it seriously. But, but the reality is, once Americans realize, for example, let's just take Medicare for All as a small microcosm of this discussion. Medicare for All, you know, free health care sounds great until you realize it means a few things. First of all, it means that the coverage you currently have will no longer exist. Right. The second thing it means is that taxes are going to have to go up substantially higher. I'm not talking about, you know, 10% higher. I'm talking about 80, 90, 100% higher. And then the last thing it means is that the government, is going to be deciding what kind of health care you get. These are the same people that run the DMV, mind you. These are the people (laughs) who are going to be determining whether you need that medical procedure. And 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 so this is what I mean. I think once Americans Americans are a remarkably smart and, and and attuned people. And when they realize what this means uh, they're going to go bonkers. But if we don't take it seriously, some of this stuff is it's, it's going to kind of float underneath the radar and catch us by surprise.
1: You're listening to Lanhee Chen of the Hoover Institute and also the Faculty of Public Policy at Stanford. Follow him on Twitter, L-A-N-H-E-E-J-C-H-E-N, Lanhee J. Chen. Um, Professor Chen, uh, and the last question in, in this segment, perhaps. Do these individuals... Um, AOC included, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Kamala Harris. In your following of of the trends inside the left, of the Democrat Party writ large... Have they have they taken it over or is the is the old guard still resisting? Do you expect some kind of peace treaty or or is the radical the individuals who call themselves socialists? They had 40 candidates in the midterms who actually call themselves socialists. Is this the new DNC or is there still that battle to be fought for the soul of the Democrat Party? I think a battle is coming.
2: But I do think it's a battle that this wing, this far left progressive wing of the Democratic Party is ultimately gonna win. All of these Democrats are united in their burning desire to defeat Donald Trump in twenty twenty. And and that is the one thing that brings them all together. But indeed, that is also their very downfall. Yes. Because they don't realize that they are pushing these crazy far left policies. And by the way, I think you'll agree with me, President Trump had it exactly right in his state of the Union when he when he talked about this as a fight between socialism and our system of free enterprise, of right. capitalism and of freedom. And that's absolutely the right way to look at it. The left
1: will overreach. They've done it over and over again and this is another example of that overreach. Well, the latest polls show stunning figures of 52% popularity for the president, which far exceeds President Obama at the beginning of his third year. Is that popularity a function of of these insane ideas such as Ocasio-Cortez or is something else happening in in the body politic?
2: Well, there's two things. One is I think people are realizing that President Trump is getting some things done that they actually care about. They care about regulatory reform. They care about taxes going down. They care about the country being safe. But, But the other thing is, You know it doesn't matter what you think of the president's ideas when you look at the comparison what these people are proposing in the green new deal it's downright scary and so by comparison what the president's talking about is not only reasonable but fundamentally i think people are going to decide that's what that's what's needed to drive america forward so i i think it's a combination of both of those factors
1: professor chen there is a topic that so few of us understand that some on the left would actually have us do away with because they deem it to be undemocratic. But you actually understand the Electoral College. Why is it crucial to the functioning of our republic?
2: Well, it, first of all, it was part of a agreement that was struck between various parties at the Constitutional Convention. So if you go back to the creation of our country, the Electoral College was an integral part of the compromise that allowed for our country to exist. I mean, I think you could even argue that were it not for the Electoral College, we wouldn't have a country. We wouldn't have the United States. And the reason why uh, it's important is because at the time of the founding of our country, smaller states did not want to be pushed out of the process entirely by bigger states. And so we created this compromise known as the Electoral College that in essence helped to enhance the power of smaller states. And that rationale for the Electoral College is one of the principal reasons why it was created and why it sits really at the fulcrum of our constitutional design, that our system would not be what it is were it not for the Electoral College. So to get rid of the Electoral College, is to do damage to the constitutional design of our country. It'd be like someone saying, well, I think we ought to get rid of states. I don't think states (laughs) are very useful. Or why don't we just get rid of this whole notion of voting for the people who represent us? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. So people who want to go back and rewrite the Constitution, and look, I, I understand people have different views about the Constitution. I happen to believe that the text of the Constitution says what it means, and we should interpret it as literally as we can in the sense that we should read into it, uh, that the, the text of the Constitution is what is supreme. And uh, the text of the Constitution is quite clear about the creation of the Electoral College. So I have, a, I have a big problem with those who would seek to do away with this very, very important
1: part of our system of government. Which was key to it and was part of that original compromise that made the Republic possible. In the last couple of minutes, we have uh, left Professor Chen. Please follow him, He J. Chen, that's L-A-N-H-E-E J. Chen on Twitter. Uh, One of the president's largest legacies in six years' time, which we don't really talk about much, will be what he has done with judicial appointments. Do you concur?
2: No question. This is a a very underappreciated part of the president's legacy. It's a very, very underappreciated part of the value of a Republican Congress, is making sure that we are putting in the federal judiciary people who do not want to make up the law as they go along, but people who want to read the text of the law and, and faithfully interpret what that text means, who believe in the rule of law, who believe in values like freedom and opportunity. And I think that our judiciary system for too long has been occupied by too many who wish that the Constitution said something different, that it said what they want it to say. Well, too bad. It doesn't read that way. The Constitution says what the Constitution says. And the President and the Republican Congress, the Republican Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, have actually been quite faithful in nominating strong men and women who are great jurists, who are great minds, and who also are true believers in the Constitution. And that is something that was a legacy that will go far beyond when Donald Trump is president. Very, very important and underappreciated
1: element. There's a reason that the Founding Fathers created different branches of government. The checks and balances, the innate tension, gridlock wasn't a negative concept. It was actually meant to be part of not having another King George. And not only that, not only that, they have they serve different functions, whether it's the appropriations and the financing decisions of Congress, whether it's the long term senatorial powers when it comes to Supreme Court judge appointments and so forth, whether it's running things day to day, which is the administration. And lastly, the judiciary, whose job is not to legislate, these seem, it seems strange that we have to remind ourselves that these are the characteristics the founders wanted. You've been listening to Lanhee Chen of the Hoover Institute. Check out Hoover Institute as well. Hoover, I-N-S-T on Twitter. An amazing institution. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today.